Here we go. All right, great. It's good to see you guys. Thank you for joining us, Darlene and Courtney. Hi, Elian Han. Hello, Lawrence Biscontini, Christina, Brittany. We've got, let's see here. Oh, this is great. All right, guys. So we've got, which is exciting. We've got some wonderful people tonight. Um, and I'm Sarah Cooperman. I always forget to introduce myself. You'd think after like three and a half years of this mess, I would remember to introduce myself. I'm Sarah Cooperman. I'm the CEO of SCW and Water in Motion and Seat. And um, Sean Carlson is our wonderful uh, cat monitor. She's the one who, who got us all together. And we have the fabulous Bill McBride with us tonight. And I'm not supposed to read anything about him. So I'm supposed to be more friendly and talk about him. So Bill and I have been... We've been mates on uh, Talks and Takes now for a couple of years. A couple of years? Yeah. Well, we, we originally started the first format, um, the first month of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing this a long time. To me, Bill always does the summary because he's got this vision of the industry. And then also he's always got something to say on a topic. And it's this brilliant topic. And I'm like, I'm thinking he's not paying attention. And... He always is. He's always on top of it. And then we've got the beautiful Brandy Clark, who's got a fabulous smile. And she has a fantastic business that helps with texting that I always, I never remember to mention. And it's key. It's clientconnections.com. So if you're looking for a system for texting, she has a great business. But she really helps to coach businesses get them going in the industry and help them as she always says she hates when I when I say this but it's financially successful businesses of their dreams that's what our goal is and that's what Brandy does Sheldon McBee we met I think we actually met on one of the sets of body pump when you were starring it and I'd flown out to New Zealand <laughs> For some god awful Probably. reason, that I was in it. And Sheldon used to be the national training director for Les Mills, but now he's got a master's degree in science and human nutrition. He's the executive director of your Universal Athletic Clubs. So he really focuses on, on personal training. He's a creative director for Well Beats, blah, blah, blah. He's got these are amazing individuals that we have. And we're going to be talking about setting ourselves up for success in 2024. And this means talking about trends, but it also means talking about challenges and giving us tips on how we can operate better in 2024 and really prepare at now at the end of 2023. So I'm just going to launch right in because we always end up going over. Hmm. And I'm going to start with you, Sheldon, because I kind of <laughs> hit on you at the beginning before we turn the camera on. Are there any new exercise formats um, that you think will make a big impact in 2024? Yeah, I do. Um, quite a few things. And in, in our facility, we, we do our best to be very progressive, look ahead, being careful not to always be the early adopter, but it's important to, to consider what's down the line. Um, uh, I know that moving into 2024, being able to deliver on smart circuits is, is resurging. I do remember the ACSM recently uh, released its its trends uh, a year ago, which I know is from us professionals, but saying that, that circuit training is kind of back. It's 12 foot out of 20 overall is where things are trending. I think it's only going to continue to trend up in 2024. 
So these are the kind of circuits that can be driven by actual technology, wearable technology, visual technology, or actual smart tech machines that will guide you from exercise A to B to B to C to D in a guided manner so that you can scale programming without using like human capital so much. Push, play, and go. So we've actually started doing this this Q4 of 2023. It moved up really quickly in like club usage and club check-ins since we've done it. So that that's something to kind of consider. Um, the trend hey, to more, yeah. What what kind of smart equipment are you talking about? What did you guys implement? Am I allowed to say, Sarah? Is this okay? Oh yeah, go. <laughs> we went with eGym. We we got eGym circuit. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, in case you don't know what eGym is, listeners, it is a it's smart tech circuit essentially that's able to assess your body for many different things: your strength, your flexibility, weight, so on and so forth. Give you a bio age to let you know I might be, you know, 40 something, but it thinks I'm 30 something because I'm so strong and flexible. The machines will guide you and know where your seat height is, what your range of motion is. You can set programming for 24 workout cycles um, based on all kinds of different goals, strength, immunity boost, weight loss, uh, um, uh, athletic training. And uh, it's a way for staff to interact with members as well who go through this because frequent, over a course of time, it will trigger you to re-engage a member to say, let's let's get you on a new plan. So it kind of kills two birds at one stone to have good automated but smart technology to get people exercising and trigger staff interaction simultaneously. So, so far, so good. It's new, but it's going fantastic, you know? So, and how long does the circuit take for your members? 20 minutes per set. Even we got the 11 station one, you can get more, but 20 minutes per round. Most people who say go through twice, so 40 minutes, around the circuit. Um, and uh, it's a way to help, like I said before, for people who need, I, I just don't know what I'm doing. I go in a gym, this is all this stuff to do. Where do I even start? Of course, you can use human capital and get staff to guide people through programming. But this is one of those plug and play for many different age groups and goals to get started. So it's, and do you it's really find that people, people enjoy basically not being supervised, being alone in their activities? Well, I think people, at least we're, what we're experiencing is a blend because anything you walk by the room or by the space is always questions. How do I adjust my plan? What do I do about this? And so it is, it's actually both. They, they, they don't mind coming in on their own and doing it when they need to, but they love the interaction when you have a chance to kind of tell someone how to improve their experience. So it's really both, which is kind of what we wanted. Oh, that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool. Um, Brandy, what do you see? So I see a, um, well, you know, just to clarify, my expertise is not necessarily in the brick and mortar gym space anymore, as much as it's really kind of more of the online. So what I'm seeing is a lot of um, functional training, mobility training, um, an emphasis on like injury prevention, which of course us trainers, we've always <laughs> tried to prevent injuries, right? That's always been a focus of ours, but I think that um, training to prevent future injuries, training for aging. So functional training, you know, a lot of, um, body weight exercises, right. So I keep an eye on like what's going on online, social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And the accounts that are really blowing up are a lot of accounts where people are doing body weight training, functional training, um, movement, that kind of stuff. Also, the cold plunge and sauna kind of craze. Now, I don't know. Um, I actually don't know the science behind that. So I don't know if I believe it yet or not. I'll do some, some of my research and come to my own opinion on that at some point. But 
it's now gotten to the point that you can buy pop-up saunas for your house and pop-up cold plunges for your house. And so it's leaving the brick and mortar gym space and becoming more accessible to people who are working out at home or want to have that in their own private space. So that's, that's, that's really what I've been noticing in the online space. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and Bill, what do you think about that? Bill's muted. I am unmuted now. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I totally believe in the contrast therapies, you know, fire and ice, heat and cold. Um, there is a lot of good science there that is good for us to all stay up on. And um, I don't know all the scientific details around it, but I know the science and background are there and we're getting a lot of people um, really excited about that. Um, I like, um, um, Sheldon, we, we, we do a lot of smart gym equipment as well. Um, we have, we use eGym as well. We have a program called Activate, which is a lifestyle program. It's an additional fee in our environment, but it's a specific lifetime program. What we found with the smart equipment and the engagement is the retention is off the charts. It's just a higher level of retention. Um, and once the, the clients set up on it, they, there's this gamification and a, a feedback loop that really helps them stay engaged. Uh, where I've been tracking, we've been tracking this one particular senior um, he's in his seventies and he just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And he's been going like eight months and, uh, but he's not dropping off. And, and, um, and so there's something to be said for the population that doesn't always just migrate to health clubs, not that 10% that just always are the fitness enthusiasts using this type of enablement to help them motivate and self-motivate and self-regulate. And, and so we're seeing a lot of success with that. Um, obviously, the therapies that um, that Brandy was sharing, um, you know, we're seeing the same thing in, in strength, a lot more strength training focus. Um, and I think a lot of that is habit forming through COVID, as well as the importance of uh, core strength, mobility and stability. You know, but during COVID, people could exercise cardio relatively easy. You could walk, run, jog, ride, whatever. But a lot of people didn't have full strength setups. Um and so we're seeing a lot more in our body conditioning type programming with classes, a lot more in our, our weight room with regard to free weights, functional training, suspension training, as well as um, traditional selectorized equipment. Um, and we're actually been seeing some declines in cycling um, in our clubs. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, cycling was kind of a, a standard of, uh, all the time, but we're seeing a decline in cycling as we're seeing a lot more strength on the rise. And, you know, talking to some of these deconditioned, they're like, I don't care about my weight. I don't care about my looks. I care about strength and stability. I don't want to fall and I don't want to become non-independent. So Yeah, I I think that the um, minimizing people focusing on their looks as to focusing on their function is really, really big. When I think about the different programs, okay, I always think of the three Ps. Of course, I think of pickleball, you know, <laughs> Bill knows I I love pickleball and dramatically ripped off my uh, my meniscus playing it. So I'm a little more particular is, now. Sarah about is a it. statistic of the Sarah is a statistic of the increased pickleball injury group. Ah, blah blah right. blah. Okay, <laughs> and then I also think Pilates. I'm so surprised about how Pilates has this big surge now, and power. Like they're trying to, they're, I said they're trying, they're doing power training with active agers. And I look at that and 
I'll be honest with you, that scares me because of connective tissue disorders as you as you age, the the thinning, the drying, the lack of elasticity or decrease, I should say, of elasticity. So I look at that power Pilates and pickleball kind of triad. One of the things that that came to my attention is, Sheldon, you said that there was a 20 minute circuit that then they could expand into a 40 minute. And I remember right when we were in the throes of the pandemic, everything was shortened. You can get a really short workout, you know, a great workout in a short amount of time or, or getting little um, little tidbits of exercise throughout your day. So I'm wondering, do people want to go to a gym, you know, drive there, park their car, get out, go in, maybe change, maybe not change, but spend a little bit more time at the gym now because it took such a great effort to get there. So are these 20 minute circuits becoming 40 minutes? They're doing them twice because they want more time. You know, Bill, are you seeing people spend more time at the gym when they, when, when they're going? Well, I mean, we, we've all seen a shift since COVID on. Interpersonal relationship with somebody going to a health club or gym or fitness center or studio is more motivating than not because you're around human energy. Um, I work from home, so I love to go to the bank and actually cash my checks or take money out from the teller. Um, I like to go to the grocery store because uh, there's people around. So around people, I don't want to have a long conversation with anybody, but I like the energy of being around other people. So I think that with the shorter workouts, and there is no proof that an hour class is ideal. Um, that was an arbitrary made up amount of time, you know, um, so the, the efficacy of fitness is you don't need a heavy dose for ef basic efficacy of fitness. So, um, we're seeing people do more variety, um, more strength, um, and more time just spent. Most of our clubs now have places for people to work, have access to Wi-Fi. Some of them, we have printers, you know, but workspaces, you know, so having people come and buy a coffee or get a free coffee or buy a smoothie or buy a drink and work a little bit on their laptop or their iPad or their phone, socialize maybe a little bit, have a variety of workouts. Some of them are 20, 30 minutes, you know, and then you're going to have the other group that wants to work out for an hour and a half, two hours. You know, we're, we're adding classes like energizers where, you know, there's an hour class and there's a 30 minute backup right after it that does, you know, something else, maybe abs or core. So people that want an hour and a half have that option, but people that just want a 30 minute specific workout can get that too. I love so that looking name. at your program. Yeah. Energizer. I love that name energizer. That's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's great. And, and Sheldon, what do you see about the time that well, people I, want to spend at the gym? Yeah, I think it's important. And this is something that we all should be considering in the 2024 is that, you know, exercise for too many people is considered like this chore. It's something I have to do because either I feel guilty or because my doctor said I need to or because my wife poked me on my side the other day and said, mm, you know, like, so I think it's important in 2024 to start to take what we learned uh, through the pandemic, through behavior change sciences and start to adapt that in our programming more and at point of sale, meaning someone's going to walk into the facility and have a pretty lofty goal about what they're going to look like in six months which is not always going to be achievable for everybody, you know? So sometimes things like gamifying the experience, shorter workouts, just walk in the door, let's check off like small bite-sized chunks at a time, helps people learn how to appreciate 
smaller wins more often. So they start to fall more in love with the small wins versus mm-hmm. the big one they had coming into the facility. It's all intrinsic motivation. So if somebody feels competent, they're more likely to have retention. So I do believe there's a place for smaller workouts. If any reason at all, it's for that one alone to help have an avenue for people who have to establish a behavioral pattern at the very least, if not being time efficient. So for anyone who's listening, who's into sales or you're the retention guru in the facility, or you're all about member integration, you know, it's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and treating this like, like it's like it's gold. Every time you walk in the door, even if you take one lap around the track and go home, that that's still a win. I'm going to teach you how that's good and change their mindset at, at the first, you know, month or two of their exercise journey. So for us, we're not perfect at it yet, but one thing we're trying to progress through in 2024 is teaching our sales staff, our integration staff to coach them about this as they start their journey. Yeah. And and you're our online expert, Brandy. Um, Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that with online exercisers? Are they extending their time or are they still doing the bite-sized workouts? I think it just depends on the person. I think the key, like Sheldon said, is going to be to make sure that they end on a positive note, that they are successful at the end of whatever they do. They feel like they have accomplished something and they have won and they're leaving happy because if they can leave happy, they can feel successful, then their likelihood of returning increases. Um, but Sheldon also touched on something that I wanted to mention, and that is um, like life coaching, health coaching, behavior change. That really needs to be the root of what everybody does. That has to be the foundation of what everybody does. And it's not taught a lot in personal training or group fitness certifications and all that. But I mean, you can train somebody all day long, but if their behavior doesn't change, if their why, if their reason, if their thought process behind what they're doing that got them here in the first place doesn't change, then you're, you're spinning your wheels and there'll be a client forever, which is great for revenue, but it's not great for results. It's not great for them. That's not what they're there for. So the behavior change. So moving forward, I would highly recommend that anybody who wants to really have change in clients, if you want to have a, a, a business that can grow, get somebody with some, get a health coach on staff or get a life coach on staff, get somebody that can help complement training and help actually with behavior change at the root and then figure out the why, why are they, why do they find themselves in this situation of being 50 pounds overweight or why they, you know, whatever got them here, there's a reason why. And that's what needs to be changed because regardless of how many steps they take in a day or whether they do a 20 minute circuit or they do it twice and it's a 40 minute circuit, if they go home and repeat the same habits, it's pointless. And Brandy, I think you're really spot on there because, um, you know, we always do the trends report. SCW does it, Can't Fit Pro does it, ACSM does it. ACSM really focuses on 20% personal trainers that are certified by them. It's only less than 4% are group fitness instructors. So there, you get different, um, different reports. CanFit Pro just published their report, and I don't think it's ever even been released yet, but I got a copy because I'm because I'm friends with Mo. And mental health was actually number three. So it started activation functional training, which is the same with SCW. We flip between functional training being more important and then activation boom being, I'm not saying most important, but probably uh, the most focused upon. And then our number three is usually nutrition because we think, you know, what are we going to eat? 
uh-uh-uh. It's mental health mindfulness and stress reduction programs. And that's where I think this mobility training is coming in, uh, like Sheldon brought up. And I think the life coaching just just blends right in it. And we got an interesting question. And Bill, I'm going to address this to you. Ellie and Han just asked, do small... Oh, and by the way, guys, if you have a question, you move your mouse, you go to the bottom of the screen. It's on the left of your green chat box. You know, the left... At, at Just type in the left of uh, the screen share, the green screen share. Uh, tap on the chat box and just type in a question you have because we'd love to listen to you. We have about almost 40 people on this call. We had a, over 160 registered. More people listen to the podcast than anything just for you guys so you know if you do this with your membership. Webinar is a little bit outdated. These podcasts are coming up. That's why Brandy has a beautiful new microphone. Anyway, Bill... Elian asked, do small boutique studios profit from the tech slash e-smart equipment? And is it affordable for smaller studios? And maybe, Sheldon, that's, you know, you were talking about Egyptians. Maybe you can answer that as well. Do you, do you recall, you know, how many units you, that you need yeah. and what the price per piece is? Let me go, let me go first, and I'll let Sheldon clean it up. Um, so... I think we have probably four circuits um, in, in four of our medical wellness centers. Uh, we charge a premium for access to that program called Activate. And um, so it can make sense. Um, it's, it's a different audience and a different program. So some people are doing it um, for revenue and specialization. Others are doing it as part of a membership base and inclusion. Um, EOS is is using eGym in some of their locations, if not many. Um, so does it make sense for a small studio? It could, but it is pricey. It's very expensive equipment when you add the levers of technology. Um, um, you know, two main companies out there, TechnoGym's BioCircuit and then eGym's Circuit are two of the two most prominent right now smart equipment companies. Um, but even my zone training with heart rate training makes your program smarter. Um, using InBody for body composition makes your program smarter. So you can use certain technologies that make your program smarter without going all in on a full, um, you know, high tech circuit. So it's going to depend on the price point that you want to go at, the volume that you anticipate, just like anything else. You've got to do a feasibility on it, make sure it makes sense. Uh, but from an adherence standpoint, you know, you could have a club based around a smart circuit programmatically and, and, and do that as a studio model. And, and, and there's a lot of viability there. Sheldon. Yeah. I mean, I concur with everything you said. I mean, um, we, you know, we, we, our facility, you know, we were a Rex, you know, our, the owner is part of the Rex group and had a special rate specifically for that and all this stuff, but uh, it, it's, it's expensive to get the pieces. You know, we have 12 pieces in our circuit currently, one of them being what's called like a, a hub where you can like assess yourself essentially. And each one of those pieces is, is, is five figures, you know? And so you can do the math alone. If you sit in the low end of five figures, what that could cost. So if you do an ROI analysis on your studio and it makes sense to have that cost up front and you get a reasonable return on your investment over time, maybe it's worth it. We use it primarily as a retention tool. We don't charge for access. We do a one-time $29 um, orientation fee just to have a coach sit down with you for a half hour and teach you how to use the machine, get you your, you know, I've got my, you know, your, your fob and then, and then as part of your membership at that point. Um, if we get any kind of 
so retention is the key. We know it's going to increase usage. We're already seeing the people who are using it check in more frequently than normal. And we just know over time, it's meant to increase the lifetime value per member. So for that reason, we see that a, a good return on our, our, our investment. So, you know, it's, um, but I think Bill made a great, great, great point. And that is that you don't necessarily have to make that huge of an investment to have a smart system in place that could be a push, play, and go. There's lots of different um, technology that exists that you put a couple screens up, you plug in the technology, they have it out there, push, play, the stuff will display movement on the screen. And you can just have a person guiding the experience and save what could be hundreds of thousands of dollars initially to get it up and running. So that's, that's just my thoughts on it. That's interesting. And I did want to mention that I know I said, yeah, we were talking about people are more interested in wellness than their looks. Um, uh, Bob just said, Bob Esquery just said, ah, our young people, they still care about their looks. And it's, I, I think that is true because there's a big Instagram community out there. Um, what different business well, when you feel better when you feel better you, when you feel better you look better yeah that's true mm -hmm. and when you that's look true. better you feel better mm -hmm. um what different business practices will we see in 2024 brandy i'm going to start with you i think that you're going to see a lot more automation you're going to see a lot more um ai coming into like business business owners studio owners incorporating ai and automation to scale their businesses and decrease the amount of time that they have to spend doing all of the work, right? So less manual work, less, uh, and by that, I mean like all the back office stuff. Anybody in here that's has your own business, your own studio, or, or you know, is in a management team, you understand what I'm talking about. It's just all the stuff that's not client facing, all of the stuff that we hate to do that you sit down in front of your computer. A lot of that's going to start being automated. It's going to be, um, you're going to, there's AI that's going to be pulled in that can do tasks for you. So it's going to allow freedom and flexibility in time so that you can spend more time with clients. And some of these other things are going to be done without you needing to do it, <laughs> including content creation and including, you know, social media posting, that kind of stuff as well. Lead generation, all of it. It's getting easier. It's getting easier to make money. It is. <laughs> um. Good. I, I, I'm going to listen in more closely. <laughs> okay. So Bill, Bill, you were nodding and laughing and I hope it was positive. Uh, I, I, I was, Brandy was uh, teaching the sermon and I was uh, turning the pages. I mean, she's right on target. I love everything she said. Um, one of the things that, you know, I'm looking at AI to help us with is predictive analytics. You know, how do we predict, um, you know, breakdowns in, in, in behavior usage, those kinds of things. And right now we're just scratching the surface of the AI, you know, chat bots that are smart, sales process responses, you know, content gen, you know, we're just scratching the surface. But when, once we get really good at that, you know, the, the opportunity for predictive analytics for our industry is going to be huge. And uh, Sheldon, thoughts uh, on that? Yeah, I do have real strong thoughts on AI. I, I do really honestly believe it is going to actually get us closer to human to human connection and further away because a lot of these administrative duties and content creation and program planning can happen in the background in real time while we interact with real people. So if for anyone listening thinking it's going to be the other way, that's, that's not true. You could swim with or against the tide, to be quite honest. You know, um, I can say for now with, with confidence that our current 
trainer team right now you does use generative AI to program things out currently. We have a whole year's worth of 2024 programming already done by using generative AI. We have not pulled the trigger, but we have investigated um, you know, sales engines and PT upsell content that uses AI based off of truth pages um, to, to, to tell the, the uh, person interacting what's ideal for them based on their needs, based on what our offering is. I mean, that technology is out there. You don't have to use human capital to create this once this starts to like really mature. As Bill said, it's still, it's still young and it's still young in our market to be able to understand how to like really run with it. But it's gonna it's gonna expand in 2024, and um, you know, uh, you being able to create content for social media right now. I mean, that's tremendous right now. It takes a lot of creative juice to have something that's impactful, and on in a, in a matter of minutes, you can create the right prompts to give you to trigger unbelievable ideas that could be scaled out in, in social media if if you're willing to take that brave step. So it is only gonna make our jobs easier and enhance human human connection. It really will. It's it's fascinating the yeah. things they're doing with ChatGPT. Yeah, fascinating. Can I, can I add it, to this? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay, I was just going to say um, you touched on programming, right? Using AI to help program, and you know, the thing to keep in mind, though, and everybody listening here, if if you're growing your business, if you're looking for clients, if you're trying to increase revenue, exactly what Sheldon's doing in a responsible way, many people are out there doing in an irresponsible way. And they can, anybody can jump into chat, GPT, chat, chat, you know what I'm saying? And you can create a program for somebody and then you can go sell it. The thing that they can't do, okay, is to create these connections with people online, right? So while he said, yes, we, it's going to drive us um, together. It can also drive us further apart. Remember that you're using it, but so is your competition. Okay, so what do you need to do to make sure that you stand out and get noticed and, and get the clients that you need to get versus your competition who could be undertrained, have no experience, they could have gone through, you know, they don't even need to have certifications anymore. They can just jump on there and say they're a trainer and jump into chat GTP and have it create a 12-week program and they're selling it. So there's, it, to me, that that's irresponsible, but it's something that they can do and people are doing it. So you, as a trainer, somebody who wants to increase revenue and you really know what you're doing, you have a true passion role to wouldn't be sitting here listening to this today and watching this today. What do you need to do? You need to be showing up on social media with human connection, right? You need to be showing, you'd be talking about your clients' results, testimonials, that kind of stuff so that you can stand out and show that, yeah, I can program, but you know what? Here's the proof, the proof's in the pudding. So think about that as well. Like what your competition's doing with that same technology. It's been interesting what's going on academically um, yeah. because kids have literally gotten kicked out of school because they're generating reports from mm -hmm. ChatGPT. It can always be abused. It's kind of like pickleball. I love it, but I tore my knee up, but I'm right back in there. So it can go either way. Um, my son has been using ChatGPT to create these amazing functions that can evaluate uh, business successes. So if you can take it and you can be patient and ask the questions and go through it, it can design social media designs for you and you can input pictures of your own clients in there. So it's really fascinating. We haven't um, uh, elaborated on it right now and really use it to its fullest. But I do think that it's going to pop up even more in 2024. Um, and if we don't personalize it, like Brandy said, we're going to end up with the same 
photo on every single gym in our in our territory. And that's what we want to work against, really personalizing. So what outdated business practices should we move away from? Bill, what do you think? What outdated business practices do you think are not going to work in 2024? I think, uh, I mean, there's some, there's some stuff in the sales process uh, or the membership process. You know, our buyers are sophisticated. They're getting more educated. They have more access to information. Um, you know, for clubs that still don't publish their rates online, you know, you're way behind the times. I, anybody can find out your rates. You know, everything should be transparent. Um, a lot of clubs are mixing the front desk, service desk functions with the enrollment of membership functions. Um, I still think you need one or two people to kind of own that area. But um, but the sales process is, is much more buyer's helper, um, which has always been something I believed in, much more consultative, um, much more educated and education based. Um, so, you know, looking at membership from a enrollment and retention, not not a salesy kind of thing. And, and a lot of us have been ahead of that for many, many years, but you're seeing it more of a demand by the consumer now. There's no tolerance for nonsense. There's no tolerance for not having direct communication and transparent pricing. And, you know, so um, I think um, understanding the patience and education level of the consumer in every interaction um, and, and retooling around that. How do you reduce barriers? You know, it's one thing that, that Brandy said, our job is to get them to have confidence when they come in the door. And in the enrollment process, you want them to have confidence on how to sign up for a class, how to use a locker, how to check in, you know, forget about the fitness stuff for a minute. Some people are intimidated just on the interaction with the club on how to use it as a, you know, on these things. So forgetting what we know about fitness clubs, and looking at what the consumer might not know, especially for that 80%, 70% that aren't inclined to come into clubs normally, how do you build confidence every step of the way for them so they can be successful and have early wins? Yeah, and I think that that has been impacted hugely, again, by the recovery from the pandemic. Everybody wants Amazon. Everybody wants that one click. And I feel like I, I've broken the record when I talk about that. But we are in, you're absolutely right, Bill, we're an impatient society and our tolerance is gone. We don't want to hear, like as you described it, the nonsense. And I don't want things to go wrong at my club and then it not to be rectified immediately. You know, and I don't want to walk into a club that's supposed to have the one instructor that I absolutely love and I show up and, oh, you know, <laughs> Jenny wasn't there and I had a heart attack. I'm like, I hate Claire. It was, and you would think my, my personal world had crumbled because I had the wrong yoga instructor. But these are the things that drive people crazy now. And there's enough technology that we don't have to do that. We can have it up online. You can register with one click and it makes it easier. And like Sheldon, you're nodding because I'm sure you would, you deal with very high-end clients. Mm. And I imagine you know, the patience and the tolerance level of those individuals are, you know, are a little bit lacking. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, on that same point, when you look at, think of outdated um, business practice, like websites, too often, you know, kind of run into websites where it's kind of a dumping ground of information about your business. And it's hard to navigate where I belong in this when really 
at least our opinion is that the website should walk them through a clear journey to at some point say, I want to, I want to buy a membership here. But if it dances people around and it's too much information, it just turns into a mess and it doesn't feel like a smooth uh, barrier free or low barrier um, experience. So really uh, at least in my professional opinion, an outdated practice is cr creating a website that is purely a dumping ground of information. Walk them through a journey that's going to get them in your door. Um, and and yeah. and yeah, and then getting to, to, to buy online, you have to have your prices up. If you don't, if they don't know what your prices are, there's just no way that they're going to make an informed uh, buying decision. But you know, I think that's totally fine. The, the key thing to do is this: if you guys have a website, you have to have some kind of clear statement that's clear and visible that says whatever your problem is, we just got to state it really clear so that it resonates on their eyes when they see the site. And then, and then you got to be able to walk them to the solution to buy if they know what the experience is like. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to, you should have an Phil, opportunity to get more information. You should have an opportunity to get more information or join online, join it online we got to see more of that, um, but you got to have the proper follow up with with the support by the team, um, you know. But you've got to make it easy for people to experience the club, try the club out on a trial membership or what have you, or join online and have those call to actions to Sheldon's point. But before that, before they even make it to your website, you know how they're getting to your website, social media. Okay, absolutely. People are go. They're they're finding you online, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. They're finding you online. So that same information that you have on your website needs to be repeated over and over and over and over again on your social media. You know, lead collection, all of this stuff needs to be something that is frequently posted onto your social media because they will go from social media to your website. So I mean, depending on the city size that you're in, or you know how popular you are in your community, people may or may not be going directly to your website because they know exactly who they want to sign up with. They're finding their friends on social media. Oh, that person works out there. That person works out there. So this information all starts on social media. It really does today. That's where do you get your information? There was a tornado in Tennessee last weekend. Where where was I getting my information? Mm -hmm. Facebook, right? Oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's another step to that, uh, Brandy, that I know you agree with. Um, review sites, your Google reviews, and your Yelp reviews and, you know, none of us go to a restaurant with 3.5 stars or less. Um, and so they go to social media and they also look at the Google reviews and the Yelp review stars. And so they know more about, you know, they know a lot about us before they ever show up. So as you're managing your social media reputation and presence, to Brandy's point, paying close attention to responsiveness and solution based aspects of your review sites. And getting your raving fans and your net promoters and your ambassadors to to share their experiences on those same social sites as well as the review sites. Yeah, like that. That's the real magic there because you know I think sometimes it's challenging for a business entity to have huge presence on social media because too often viewers of social media don't always trust the business who's clearly trying to draw you into their business. Quite often they trust the people who are interacting with the business itself who they trust. So I th I think it is worth it to who are your ambassadors? Who are local influencers who have huge followings and still align with your brand? I mean, can you empower them to speak about you? Can you empower them to use your facility and, and let them and let them, uh, you know, um, not, you know, pimp themselves out, so to speak, but to enhance what's going on and still be on brand? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
you're going to get more people seeing your business doing it that way because I'm, I could speak on behalf, at least me personally, right? I don't always enjoy looking at the big business brand. I like following people quite often who really uh, influence my decision-making. So I think that's smart in 2024 to, to find ways to infiltrate that aspect of visibility. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It's that's word of mouth now, you know, it's no longer you're at the grocery store and you're chatting with somebody. Word of mouth is who you're following on social media. And that referral is, is still huge. Um, but looking at some of the, at some of the customer service technologies that are out there, you look at chat bots, you know, do people answer their phones? I can't begin to tell you how many times I'm, I'm just trying to look for a phone number. And I don't even know if I really want to talk to a human being. I just want to send an email. I want to get a response. I want to send a text. I want to do a chat and get a response. And it drives me insane when I go to a chat box and they're asking me the same questions over and over and over down this trail. And I know it's automated. So I get that I need to automate everything. But I also, at some point, it, like the three of you has said, it's that human touch. I want to follow someone. Maybe I just don't want to get a cardboard box of people answering me. So do we have, do people call? Are you, Bill, are you seeing a lot of people call in, um, you know, to the active wellness clubs? You know, it's, um, it's gone down and we get more inquiries through, um, web leads and so forth and, and retargeting, you know, banner ads and so forth and impulse clicks. Um, but there's still a certain generation and, and certain people that, that call around and they want to have a human voice. And, um, and so, you know, did we guys lose him? Uh, yeah, we lost him a little bit. All right, Brandy, take over. What okay. do you, <laughs> I know you're not, I'm going to ask Sheldon because Sheldon okay. does, uh, Sheldon has a live facility. Do people, do you got, do you have to have somebody answering your phones? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, people still, I mean, and our, the average age of our, of our members is 49. It's older than the average um, age group across the country. So we get a lot of people who prefer to get on the phone and call. It's, I don't know the per, like the percentages or whatever, but I know it's significant enough to where we have to allocate staff for this for sure. And they like hearing the human voice and we we're fortunate enough to have the resources to to do that. But I think it you have to have that. I think we mentioned a few times on this webinar that being able to hear a human voice guide you through the hard questions, um, it really can cross a lot of people over. If it's not gonna create a sale, it'll at least create a positive uh, interaction that gets them talking about you after they've hung up the phone from you. So yeah, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah. I think if you're going to yeah. call a local business, you got to have somebody answering. Local businesses need to have somebody answer. Yeah. You know, hands down. I agree. Um, what with, you know, this volume of online material available, how can physical clubs and the locations stay relevant? I mean, Brandy, you're an expert in online. But do you get many of, do you see many of the fitness businesses that are that are online also have the uh, physical locations? So I think everybody, whether it is a standalone personal trainer or you're working at a studio or you are a club studio or a boutique or whatever it is, I think you need to have an online offering of some sort. 
period, end of story. People want to be able to buy more from you. Your customers will buy more from you. So if you can figure out what else it is that will serve them and help them and create a product that they can buy, turn that into an online course, they will buy it from you. People want access. Here's the thing, like we were talking about a second ago, like this instant, people want access to you 24 seven, right? If you have an online course or online offering, be it workouts or anything like that, they get that. They can get you 24 seven in the comfort of their own home. If there is online or online courses and online offerings. So I, I've said this many times, I will continue saying it again. I think everybody needs to have an online offering of some sort, be it an evergreen. And what that means is something that you build once and you sell over and over again, or, or offers that you offer online in 12 week, 12 week increments or something like that. You need to be able to reach beyond your local audience beyond your local town. And when you have online offerings, you can get the town over, you can get in a different state. So you literally can increase your revenue. You're increasing your, you're increasing who you can sell to if you have an online offering. So something, you have to have something. Something online. I can't Mm -hmm. believe we're getting close to running out of time. So Bill, uh, I'm going to start with you. What makes you excited about the future of our industry? You know, we touched on it a little bit ago. Um, it's the whole shift in mental wellness. Um, you know, we're not mental health professionals per se, but we should be mental wellness experts. You know, we shouldn't diagnose and try and treat mental illness, but we should definitely be an outlet for mental wellness and, and improvement. There's not anybody I know that doesn't suffer from some mental challenges with regard to anxiety, stress, dependency, addiction, uh, depression, whatever it is. And, and COVID um, kind of rocked a lot of people's world with regard to the core stability of what they could count on, you know, from a job standpoint, from scaring the heck out of our kids at school standpoint, from all the different things, right? Um, but it's always been there. We've always been a mental solution for people, but we haven't taken advantage of our expertise as fitness professionals and lifestyle coaches. And to Brandy's point about what she does and her coaching aspect, you know, we ought to be looking at ourselves as coaches and, and, and support system for mental wellness. So what I'm most jazzed about is the shift from only aesthetics to the holistic approach to, I want to look good. I want to feel good. And I want to, and I want to feel happy. And so, uh, the mental wellness opportunities that we have, I think, are huge. And and you're absolutely spot on. I mean, Ellie and Han, who's on this call right now, she's got a, a trauma training to help train fitness professionals to deal with the trauma in their clients and possibly the trauma within themselves. Um, John W. Brick now has a training on mental health. Um, I'm going to be talking to Lynn soon about that. And I thought it was quite interesting for the health works clubs that are out of Boston. We just finished... Boston Mania last month, and Mark Harrington was talking about took all his TVs out of the cardio room because people want to focus on their own stuff, and it was too stressful with all the news. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, we really oh, are. We're sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying a lot of clubs have, have taken news off their lineups. All news. Yeah, keep the TV and take the news out. Really, Netflix. What am I watching now? What am I watching now? ESPN. You know, when I'm watching, this is horrible. I'm watching Designated Survivor. All right. Well, there you go. I, you know, it's not Grey's Anatomy, but it's working for me. 
So I want to thank you all for coming tonight. Brandy, as always, a pleasure. Bill, fantastic. And Sheldon, even with your sore throat, you've been wonderful. And me with my partially cut off thumb. Isn't that lovely? I want to thank you all for joining us. And we will see you next month. Have very happy holidays and a healthy new year. Thank you for joining us.